0: January 2nd, 2021, it's Watt P. Rose Show. it's cool Pedro Show. Happy Saturday. First Saturday of 2021. Which is a trippy thing to say. Start off John Damn. Coltrane doing Fifth House. And then you probably heard that I'm not all alone people. Yes, Brother Matt, he's in the Love Grotto at Pledge Point a couple miles south because we're still in, quite in quarantino mode. But I'm not totally man alone because those engineers in Estonia with their incredible Skype invention. I got Skype Brian in- Coleman talking to me from London, England. What's your earliest musical recollection, Brian? Um,
1: You know, my earliest musical recollection uh, is probably the Beatles. And uh, we used to live around the corner from this uh, shoe repair place, Jimmy's Shoe Repair. And Ed Sullivan lived across the street from there at Delmonico's. And I would go in with my dad and get our shoes shined like every Saturday. And about one in every three or four times, Ed Sullivan would be there. And my dad knew him from vaudeville days and would always tell him, you know, like, oh, my kid loves the Beatles. And Ed Sullivan would always lean over and tell me that the Beatles were finished. He took great pleasure in, like, basically sitting there and seeing this little kid going, you know these guys that are your heroes? They're over. <laughs> they're done. fin. You're never going to hear about them again. They're done. I'm never going to have them on the show again. And the first time he told me that, it broke my heart. And the second time he told me that, I looked at him and I realized he was wrong. And that was the first time I, I realized that uh, the people who were the guardians, the people who were in charge, who were telling us what the world was, didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. And that was big. Oh, and they, that opened, They thought they did. <laughs> that was huge. Yeah, yeah. So
0: so you grew up in Manhattan then?
1: I grew up in Manhattan. I grew up in Midtown. And... Uh, you know, my dad had all these different jobs, but he was the sort of person who knew how to read figures. And during the Depression, when the Roxy Music Hall was about to go out of business, he didn't know anything about entertainment, but he knew about numbers. And uh, whoever was in charge said, if you take over the Roxy Music Hall and uh, try to keep it going, it might have a chance. And so that's what he did for a few years. And uh, I mean, that was way before I was around. But he grew up in he grew up and came up in a world with uh, you know the Marx brothers and Ed Sullivan and Walter Winchell and Greta Garbo and those were sort of like household figures not that they were in our household but their names were.
0: Well, in your house was there musical instruments?
1: Uh, there was a piano and um, it was always being polished. We had this Steinway baby grand, and uh, later on, like after I'd, I'd started to play a little guitar. I'd start to fumble around and make my way around the notes. But as a kid, it felt like if I even touched the piano, my mother would come in and start dusting it or polishing it because I would somehow soiled it. So that wasn't uh, part of the equation.
0: But part of the equation was also not less. You're going to take lessons.
1: Well... I think they figured out pretty fast that wasn't going to work for me. Um, I didn't know anything about music coming up until I discovered the radio when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And um, what, about then we,
0: what about school? What about school? You know, uh, grade school, like the choir or the marching band, junior high, yeah, high school? Yeah,
1: we, we didn't have a choir. We didn't have a marching band. We had... Uh, like a sort of scary guy, not scary because he'd hit you, but scary because you know he might come over and hug you, and you didn't want that and uh he would he would basically uh I remember some of the songs you know um uh, 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 horrible, horrible. There were there were campfire songs, but there were songs you know that you'd sing around campfires where the fire had already died out.
0: <laughs> and what instrument I mean, did you play?
1: Songs to keep
0: keep the animals away. What, what 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 instrument did you play, Brian?
1: Um, you know I was sent to a tennis camp when I was about thirteen years old, and I hated tennis, and I also hated wearing white. I mean, at thirteen I was I was already like in my Johnny Cash thing of like all black. And um, I don't know why I was sent to this tennis camp in Essex, Connecticut, but everybody there knew something on guitar. And I basically figured out what each person knew. And by the end of tennis camp, I knew all their tricks. And those tricks were not substantial. so, but so I you, knew like how me, to get from one chord to another.
0: Yeah, let me understand this. You learn guitar from a tennis camp, but that scary music teacher... Uh, you didn't play anything for him?
1: No, he didn't have you play. He played piano and uh, they kept coming back to the same song. You know, and as I remember, it was something like, let's go hunting, said Ricky to Rob. Let's go hunting, said Robin to Bob. Let's go hunting, said Daniel to Joe. Let's go hunting, said Billy Barlow. Uh,
0: so he, so got, the name of the, he had you guys was sing, sing. He would accompany you on piano and you guys would sing. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. You know. I ask people about school because you know some schools completely got rid of their music programs. Yeah. So I'm always curious about that. What was uh, Brian? What was the first record you bought for yourself? Was it a Beatles record?
1: No, it wasn't a Beatles record. It was, um, uh, and I don't think I actually paid money for it. I think I convinced a babysitter to buy it for me. Uh, but it was North to Alaska by Johnny Horton.
0: Yeah, I remember some you of those songs. Well, I remember the guy; he had a bunch of. Hey, John
2: left
1: Seattle in the year of ninety-two with with <laughs> someone rather his partner and brother Billy too.
0: Yeah, but he and had the one about the battle off. of uh, the battle of New Orleans, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I ask you about buying it with your own money because you know when you're a kid you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm curious. But you tricked the babysitter <laughs> again. What was what, what? What ended up uh, being the first gig you saw?
1: Um, you know, the first the first gig I saw was uh, was probably not a gig. I just from the time I was about twelve or thirteen, I'd wander down to the village, and there were these different clubs. There was this club there. Uh, it's still there, but in a different configuration. It was a club called a Café Wa, and uh, it had a big picture window, and they had the doors open in the spring, and you could hear what people were playing. And I remember, like, just wandering around and hearing this group called Lothar and the Hand People, and um, Lothar was uh, Lothar was actually, uh, I think, a, a synthesizer. And the hand people were the band, but they had it set up so that it's like Lothar was the evil genius that controlled them. <laughs> and so they were subservient to this synthesizer. But they were a pretty good band. And I remember I would go back they they were the house band for a while. And one of the days that I was walking past, Gene Clark from The Birds sat in with them and did Mr. Tambourine Man standing in the window with Lothar in the hand people backing him, and he did all the words to Mr. Tambourine Man, not just the ones the birds did.
0: Well, Bob Dylan wrote it
1: right. (laughs) I didn't know the song went on for like, you know, 37 verses. It was like, damn. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, Bob Dylan, I think that's the meth and feminine or some kind of stimulant version of Bob Dylan. So there was a lot of words. I want to play uh, As a Man Gets Older.
3: Find as a man gets older He stops using words like Forever mm-hmm. As the bills start coming due You might change your point of view Etc mm-hmm. Time. As the years accumulate Like shadows at the close of day You button your jacket And as the girls grow much too young And the songs remain unsung You cling to old habits If you have to let me down at all I'm filled with big ideas and just a couple drops of alcohol
1: I'm I'm one of those who will, and I'm definitely going to.
0: <laughs> okay, people. That was Brian Coleman. With as a man gets older, and he wants to enlighten you with some information.
1: Yeah, that, that um, you know, I don't always write with other people, but in this case, uh, I have a really dear friend named Barry Reynolds, and Barry wrote uh, Broken English for Marianne Faithful. He wrote uh, a lot of stuff for Grace Jones. Uh, he wrote beautiful songs. And we always talked about writing together, but we sort of like we'd get together and we'd drink coffee and we'd talk about movies. And uh, we never got around to writing very much, but we were over and he started playing me these chords and I just thought, I can do something with this. And uh, I took the, I took the, I took the chords away from him and uh, I added a couple of little touches of my own, this one chord there that goes down where starts to go into Nick Drake territory. But what I wanted to do, and I sort of feel like I almost got there, was write as if I was using English as a second language. You know, I sort of figured, like, what would it be like if I was trying to, like, channel some sort of a Garcia Lorca poem or something by Pablo Neruda? And so I'm not going to write in my own voice. I'm going to write and have it be a little bit stilted. But if I have it stilted, I'm not going to be embarrassed to say things that I might not say, like, out loud.
0: Yeah. We were talking about this kind of yesterday that guest was on, and talking about being on tour and you don't know the neighborhood, so you have all this fake courage. <laughs> you could be walking Ooh. into these hell zones. Maybe it's the same thing. Yeah. I got to tell the people, we uh, heard Chatbot from Pat Kane's new solo record, really good. Devil Hoof from Devin Hoff. He's, uh did this for, to start the year off. Ursula Lala Odo. Weird feelings after that. I think they're from Poland. The Shadow. Earthquake. No, no, they're from Dublin. God damn. Good thing about Alzheimer's, you're always hearing new bands. And- exactly. <laughs> they're <laughs> all new. <laughs> yeah, meet new people. Earthquake. Uh, life. In Paris, about eight months ago, Kim Gordon, War of the Devil's Guide by Void, Bob Pollard with the new fucking album, Go Bob. Balmas uh postcards from uh, B. Prendon from 40 years ago. And finally, uh, New Year's Eve. Ah, we're a couple nights late, but that's from you, Brian Cullen. Uh, and Brian, now, yeah. now you went to this tennis camp and you come back to Manhattan knowing how to do guitar. So what what what, what how does music go for you from there? Um, you know,
1: the thing about being like 14, 15 years old and playing guitar is you have no idea how much you don't know. <laughs> so you're absolutely you're just fearless. And uh like by the time I knew three chords, I figured the fourth can wait. You know, it's it's like I'm going to back up eventually and um I immediately started going down to these basket houses. Now for those of you who are, you know, perhaps under fifty, um, there used to be these places uh in cities like San Francisco and New York called uh, basket houses where essentially people who were either totally insane, totally incompetent or both could get up on stage and just harangue an audience for ten or fifteen minutes, at the end of which you pass a basket around and either out of guilt or fear or just pity, people would throw a buck in. And there was a place called the Four Winds. And this was on 3rd Street, I think, West 3rd Street. And um, they had a weird cabaret law, which was basically that you were allowed to play music or sing, but not both at the same time. So they had a guy standing at the door and if somebody that they thought was, uh, a, you know, a song inspector, a cabaret inspector, they would suddenly give you a sign. And no matter what you were doing, you had to go into an instrumental. And, you know, I knew maybe five songs and I only knew one instrumental, which was, uh, Angie, which, uh, you know, Simon and Garfunkel did. It's a Davy Graham song and it's in a minor. And, uh, All of us who play acoustic guitar at some point or other learned Angie. And uh, no matter what I was doing, no matter what key I was in, I would have to stop the song and go into Angie. And so for the audience, it was pretty schizophrenic. But that didn't matter because one of the things the club was really famous for was they served uh, Coca-Cola for 75 cents. But you could get a rum and coke for a dollar which was a really good deal unless you looked under the hood. Because what a rum and coke was, was coke with a squirt of Windex in it. And that's how they could get away with doing it for just a dollar. I guess if you could have a double shot thing, you could pay a dollar fifty and you could get two shots of Windex. But uh, no uh, one I knew
0: ever did that. So the, but this is like Man Alone, Solo Busk. Uh, did, when did, uh, so- what about the band thing? Did you get into that shit? Like the... Well, Manhattan, you don't really have garage bands, but you might have a bedroom band.
1: Yeah, I had a couple of those. Um, you know, always with people who were a whole lot better than I am. Um, I had a group called the Lead Balloon, and this was before Led Zeppelin. But uh, um, and it wasn't my idea, so I can't take any credit. But there was a a kid who played amazing guitar; just sounded just like Mike Bloomfield. And uh, his younger brother played bass. And I don't think we had a drummer except sometimes like one of them knew a girl who had like some bongos and she'd come over, but, um, I would, I would strum along and we'd play, we'd play songs that either we'd make up. Um, we had one really, really good song. Uh, it was, a were a good title, which was, they call it earth, but it's mostly water. Uh, I still think that's like, a genius title. and I'm going to do something with that. Unless if if you do something with it, it, God bless. It's been sitting there for, you know, (laughs) 40 years or more. Um,
0: What was the first, what was the first lead balloon gig? Like there weren't any, Oh, it was just a practice band. (laughs) Okay. That's all right. We, we, I had a lot of those.
2: (laughs) Um,
1: so the first time I actually had a little band, um, I put, a, I put a group together, and um, they're almost all still really good friends. Uh, and uh, we got a gig playing, um, you remember a guy named Felix Papalardi? Yeah, Bassman. Yeah, Bassman, but he also was a producer. He, he was uh, her, of in course. Mountain, oh, of we course. we produced Cream. Of course, and he was shot and, to death by his wife. He was shot by his wife. He did some dodgy stuff. So he had a club in Denver. And uh, I I, I mean, on the strength of a demo, which was pretty terrible, he invited us out to Denver to play for like 10 days at his club out there. And we were so excited. And uh, I had a friend who was a drummer who had a car. You know, drummers all have cars. And uh, I got... uh, A good friend of mine, Robin Bateau, who was a a violin player and mandolin player, a beautiful singer, he had a group years and years ago called Appaloosa. Um, And so he was going to come along and play violin, and my friend Patty was going to come and uh, play drums or play play percussion. And um, literally two days before we were going to take off, uh Robin Bateau got a call to do a session and it was a big session someone wanted to record a song of his and he had to bail on us and I was I was devastated because you know we had a gig we had a drummer we 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 had a percussionist we had me we we had a place to stay in Denver and uh, a friend of mine told me that uh, a good buddy of his who had been playing with steely dan but wasn't playing anymore was available and that uh he could come out and he'd play with us but he couldn't drive out with us we had to fly him out there and um you know that pretty much took all of our lunch money but we flew him out there and um I- i've become friendly with him since so i'm not going to mention his name but uh, he messed us around pretty good uh we met him at the airport and uh you know, I'd heard the stuff that he had done with Andy Pratt and with uh, Steely Dan. And he was a hot shit guitarist, and, and he sang beautiful harmony. And uh, he got up to the airport, and uh, I started talking about rehearsing. And he went, yeah, yeah we can rehearse, but uh, I need my own room because I got to pray. And, and that spooked me a little bit. I have nothing against prayer, but... Uh, i do have something against uh people having their own room when we don't have any cash and um, then i started asking about guitar and he said jesus had told him not to play electric guitar anymore and jesus had also told him he shouldn't sing harmony and uh, at this point jesus was starting to get on my nerves and uh, <laughs> he he basically did this rehearsal with us where he kept walking around and looking at us and really looking at us like we were evil. And, um, uh, my friend Patty, who, uh, was this great girl, uh, from, uh, somewhere in Illinois, Maradoja. That's where she's from. Maradoja, um, had this necklace that I'd given her. I bought on the street, an African necklace. And, um, you know, it was pretty funky. It was made from monkey teeth, but, um, this guitarist kept looking at the necklace and uh, the necklace spooked him so much that uh, he basically stole the car and ran away and uh, disappeared on us. And we tracked him down. Uh, We did this great detective work. Uh, (laughs) We found, we found out that in Denver there was a very hip Mexican restaurant and I knew that this guy was really into waitresses from Mexican restaurants. So I went out there and, uh, she basically said, yes, he had been in there and that he had been psychotic. And he kept walking around the restaurant going, I've seen teeth like that. Those <laughs> are human. Those are human teeth. <laughs> they, did they did something bad. Uh-oh. Anyway.
0: Brian, I got to stop you because we're at the end of the first hour. January no. 2nd, 2021. Yeah. Dish and show special guest, Brian Coleman. Hold time for our toot. January 2nd, 2021. It's the second hour of the lot from Pedro show.
3: No more candles on your cake. That shiny car has got no brakes. You're at the wrong.
4: So sad and lonely since I broke off baby with you. I live on lonely avenue since you said we are through. Now I feel so sad and blue. It's all because of you. I could could die, could die, could die, could die, could cry. Could cry, could cry I live on
2: Lonely Avenue
5: My room has got two windows, the sunshine never comes through. I'm so sad and lonely since I broke a baby with you. I live on a lonely avenue. Since you said we are true, I feel so sad and blue all because of you. I
0: could die, 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 I could die, die, I
5: could die, I could die, I could 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 cry, cry, I could cry, cry, I could cry, cry. live on a lonely avenue. My beloved is made of lead, and my cover made of stone, I toss and turn every night, I'm not used to living alone, I live on a lonely avenue, since you said we are through, I feel so sad, Right. I could die, I could die, I could cry, I could cry, I could cry. Leave on a lonely avenue. Well, my room has has got got windows. windows. The sunshine sunshine never never comes comes through. I'm so sad, I'm so sad and lonely. Since Since I I broke broke a baby with you. I live on a lonely lonely avenue. avenue. Since you said we are
4: through, through, I feel so sad and blue. blue. It's all because of you. I could die, I could die,
5: I could die, I could die. die, die, I could cry, I could cry, I could cry. Live on a
6: In your pain But sometimes silence is the strongest thing until Until I feel Good until I feel Good until I feel Good knowing that I knew you I'm swimming in your tears pouring rain The desert door is closed again My friend I'm wandering through your trail of warm ruins until Until I feel Good until I feel Good until I feel Good knowing that I knew Gold. There is sugar in my veins ah, Watch me burn, I am a leaf I am red and gold There is sugar in my veins And it's the sweetness that makes the flame I sing all quiet to the spirit kids In my cookie drum Their roots are deep and their branches touch me until I feel, good until I feel, good until I feel, good knowing that I knew you. I am a leaf, I am red and gold, there is sugar in my veins. Watch me burn, I am a leaf I am red and gold There is sugar in my veins And it's the sweetness that makes the flame Sweetness that makes me burn Sweetness in the flame Sweetness that makes me burn your ashes on my face today I feel the power in your pain But sometimes silence is the strongest thing Until I feel Shh. Until I feel Shh. Until I feel
3: trains have left the station. There's no diamonds in the mine. They left me nothing I can wager Only time if there is time All the birds have left the garden And the moon has quit the sky Here without a star to guide me Just give me time if there is time
0: interesting thing about denver uh home of uh dean moriarty right
2: yeah
0: right
1: uh, Neil I Cassidy that. and his <laughs> yeah. father
0: and all that and he drove cars and stuff but but anyway uh, we start off the second hour well if you read on the road it tells you a little bit it's probably embellished a little bit but uh, wrong birthday from brian coleman then sam bennett nothing left to say but goodbye the new lessers uh, these guys are from Poland. Lonely Avenue, Mary St. Mary with Ashes, to the full extent of the law from Jerome Parker Wells in St. Louis, and Um Spello, Apatado, seu Aboro, De Uma Canoa. You know, my Portuguese terrible. So sorry, sorry, sorry. Aruba, Avua. And finally, Brian Coleman with Time If There Is Time. And we got time for you so so this guy, was he was a nightmare. But w- what did you learn about the music racket from this lesson? Um, You know, I, I we actually
1: played a gig. We got to Felix Papalardi's club, and it wasn't there. I had a couple of those. <laughs> you probably have a couple of those. But he had burned down the club. Uh, he'd set fire to the club for the insurance money. <laughs> so... We got a we got a gig at um, Colorado College in Colorado Springs. Sure, so. and they paid us enough money that we could actually get there. And they put it. They they were so sweet to us, but at that point, uh, it was just the drummer, and um, and me. Patty's gone.
0: <laughs> Patty's gone. I think Patty's I think uh, Colorado Springs has got the Air Force Academy.
1: It has the Air Force Academy. Uh, it's got some great people. It's got, uh, I think it's got skiing if you like to, to ski. I don't do that sort of stuff. No. Well, but, it's uh,
0: kind of on the border there. It's on I twenty five. It's weird about Colorado. They got all their big towns on I twenty five, right? Pueblo, Fort Collins, Denver, Colorado Springs, and then there's going across I seventy east west. You know, I've done a little bit of touring. So, so well, you, yeah, come back, I, I, you, you come back. You come back to New York City after this Denver thing. What happens to the lead balloon?
1: Uh, Lead balloon, you know, I think we still exist in some format. And uh, I still know Mark and Andre, and they're great guys. Mark's, they're both artists. They both turned into visual artists. And I think uh, all that energy went into color, color and design and and, uh, fabric. But um, back in New York, I, I... basically was just ready for anything. I, I answered ads. Um, I, I, I basically um, had all of these wild meetings. And, uh, you know, I, I had a meeting with uh, Lieber and Stoller. And uh, I mean, these guys are heroes. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, they, they wrote everything. I yeah, mean, incredible. They, they basically just Designed the fabric of our country. If you walk around in shoes, you know, they have put the soles on our feet. And uh, it was uh, the meeting with Lieber and Stoller. And I got to say, they were in the room, but they were at the far side of the room. And it was a big room. Um, and there was a woman there who had, I, I had answered an ad in the Village Voice. And they had, I don't know whether they had liked me or if I was the only person who had answered the ad. But, um, you know, basically I went up to this beautiful, beautiful apartment, 57th Street between Park and Lexington, And obviously somebody lived there, but, you know, it was about three or four thousand square feet. You know, you could put like seven or eight of my apartment uh, into there. And um, I got to the door, I knocked on the door and a woman opens the door and sort of like looks at me and goes, ah, I love the hair. And, and the pin, I was wearing like a little pin of a camel on my lapel. And then she went, oh, I, I love the look. Come in. And basically sits me down and tells me their idea. And if you, if you basically got like a bunch of people in a room and thought about the worst idea you could possibly come up with, the most vulgar, the most degrading, the most criminal way of using like talent – you wouldn't come close to this. <laughs>
0: Basically. Okay, I want to play Home. We're going to reveal this. <laughs> play this bunch of music here. I want to play Home Before Dark.
3: All the trains have left the station. There's no diamonds in the mine I need something to hold on to Just give me time if there is time Now all the angels of our nation granted on the Harlem Hudson line. They left me nothing I can wager. Only time, if there is time. Where all the birds have left the garden. And the moon has quit the sky And here without a star to guide me Just give me time if there is time (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs>
0: Must be new <laughs> yeah. uh, that was brian coleman at the head of that chunk of music there home before dark then the hysterical injury god i love that band name skyline interface the snowball's chance in hell with the the unless the new harnessians i guess they're new to wearing harnesses a <laughs> piece please yes. I burn myself. I think of you by plus dog plus, and finally killing the dead, from Brian Coleman. Now you got to tell us how this meeting worked out, Brian.
1: So you want to hear about the Lieber and Stoller situation? Well, well
2: uh,
0: yeah, right. You're you tell Well, you preface it with like the most degrading thing you could ever think of, wasting some talent, right?
1: Absolutely. So these these are the guys that. They did everything, you know. They basically created the firmament, and so I go in and I don't know her name. Maybe let's let's call her Shirley. You know, basically sits me down and goes, "Now, Jerry and Mike, and Jerry and Mike are at the far side of the room, and the far side of the room is about three zip codes away." (laughs) And she goes, "Jerry and Mike are going to do this animated cartoon show. It's going to be every Saturday morning. It's called Heavenly Hound Dog," and the moment she says that, you know, my soul just slips further and further down into my feet. She goes, so Elvis is there in heaven, and he's a little boy in heaven, and his hound dog is with him, and they get into these amazing adventures, like, dancing around in the countryside, and and Elvis has this little straw hat on, and he's, like, got a corn cob, and he's just dancing down, and they sing, and they, they play, and Wouldn't that be a great place for like a Saturday morning cartoon show? And we can use all of Lieber and Stoller's great songs because every time they go somewhere, every time they meet somebody, and they can be somebody living or dead. Anytime they meet somebody, they've got a song.
0: (laughs) And uh, I I ran. You might go visit Big Mama Thornton. You ran out of the room, (laughs) right? You ran right out of the room. Okay. (laughs)
1: would just come over and eat them. You know, it's
3: like,
0: that would be it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, you know, you must have got into some interesting bands or some music situations besides that bullshit. Yeah. I was in really,
1: I was in great situations. Now,
0: for one thing, can you, I, g- can I, you gave me something can live I, that you did with uh, Vernon Reed.
1: Well, no. I had this little band. It was a really great little band. And I'm allowed to say that because the reason it was great was not necessarily me. I had these wonderful players and they put up with me, you know, because in every band, there's got to be some guy who or girl who basically makes the phone calls and books the gigs and sends out like the mailings and, and just is, is driving the vehicle. Now, they don't have to actually know what they're doing. But a lot of the really great musicians don't want to do that. So I was the guy who just went, I'm going to get us a gig at the Cat Club. I'm going to get us into Hurrah's. I'm going to get us to play Peppermint Lounge. I'm going to make a demo. And um, Sarah Lee from the old Gang of Four Ah, was playing bass. bass bass
0: Yeah, great bass lady.
1: And she's not just great. She's just the genius of bass. And I say this with, with love and deference and respect. One of the things that makes her so good is she only knows how to play a couple of different ways. And they're all perfect. They're all perfect. But she just sticks to these notes that just ring out and hold the song together. What a wonderful person to play with. Loved her. Loved her to pieces. She played
0: with Chic. She played with B-52s.
1: Yeah, she played with... uh, Robert Fripp in the League of the Gentlemen. And
0: and then Um, Vernon was on the the other guitar, right? Well, Vernon wasn't a full member of the band.
1: Uh, Vernon had his own gig with Living Color, but Vernon was a really dear friend and still is. And whenever we had a problem or whenever we had a solution, he was there. (laughs) You know, if, if we had a big gig and we needed someone to just add that little extra spark He would turn up. And uh, the thing about Vernon is he would never rehearse, which is usually, you know, for the type of music I play, that's usually really good because it means, you know, you're going to go somewhere and you're going to surprise me or yourself or somebody. Yeah, the people playing uh, with you.
0: (laughs) No, that's a a good point. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, January 2nd, 2021. The Wat Pedro Show special guest Brian Coleman. Hotter Fire Three. January second, twenty twenty one. It's the third hour of the Wat Pedro Show.
3: I know someday. I'm gonna miss you, I'm gonna cry, just like a baby, I know someday,
2: I'm
3: gonna miss you, but right now, oh right now, I'm so glad you're gone. I know someday, I'm gonna miss you It's not my pride, that's not the issue I know someday, I'm gonna miss you But right now, oh right now I'm so glad you're gone I hear the thunder out in the forest, I guess the sky is crying for us, I hear the thunder out in the forest, it says to me, it says to me, your The devil knows that I'm a weak man. I've been around, but I'm no antique man. The devil knows I'm a weak man. Just one drink, just one drink, and I'll be gone. Or if I fall.
7: Or the ripples from a pebble Someone tosses in a stream Like a clock whose hands are sweeping Past the minutes on its face
8: The house will be empty. Your loyal retainers having
3: crept away, the people will gather by the gates to witness your slow receding from the world. Your retreat behind the facade. Guards will be there
8: as they always are. there to keep you safe. now to watch you and your stay. You will dine
3: in the chill of a gray morning, not having rested. You shall have bones for breakfast. Your stomach will shrink in age. And your power and rage?
8: Cold ashes in the fireplace. As indifferent eyes turn away from you.
0: For Pedro show, we start off the third hour with Brian Coleman doing Someday Miss You, and then Crane with Within the Forest, Paul Motion, Windmills of Your Mind. A great tune. You know, you were talking about three chords, right? Harry Nilsson did a version of that. And he had a, a hit with a song called The Lime and the Coconut. You remember that, Brian? Of course. That's one chord. That's <laughs> C7. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's the right chord. Yeah, that's right. Also, Credence has got a song, Keep On Chuglin. It's an E7. It's almost yeah. like their monolith that they're dancing around. <laughs> and then Phil Venerable with a poem, Bones for Breakfast. Joy Cut with Wireless. And finally, Brian Coleman with The Promise. So, yeah. So, so Vernon's a man, right? So you can just bring him on there. Uh, Nels Klein is that kind of guy with me where you could just <coughs> bring him in and they react in the moment. They don't need the practice. In fact, you know, the, the, the people say, oh, I want that first take feel. These guys can give you that because it's actually the first take.
1: Yeah, if you want the first take feel, get the first take. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> right. the now, now, uh, you you got a new record, right? I do. And and things, of course, because kind of the situation are kind of out of skew and stuff. And How do you compare that with these earlier days? Um you know
1: it sounds weird but the the new record and the feeling around people playing together and getting together is um really similar to the feeling that I had with people back when I was first doing this uh because you know money has disappeared no one is no one is doing this for cash anymore and people people are people are coming out for different reasons than I think they were like 10 or 15 years ago. There's a better energy. And I think things tend to be a little more spontaneous. And, you know, I'm finding, um, I'm finding people, especially musicians that I'm working with being really, really generous, really gracious and really open about their gifts. And, really ready to put themselves into a situation of um, exploring something that's outside their comfort zone. And uh, I'm, I'm really lucky with the people that I, I've been able to play with and uh, with them indulging me and essentially bringing, you know, their, their energy and their spark to me because it's all, it's all about energy and spark. Um, you know, if you hit the wrong note in the right way, it's,
0: it's beautiful. It's a victory. What about the, what about the material, Brian? When was it written? More Uh, recent or does some of this stuff go way back?
1: A couple of the songs go way back. Yeah. Um, uh, the only one that's really old. I mean, there, there, there are two that are a little older. (laughs) Um, a wrong girl goes back to my band. OK Savant. And, um, You know, we used to play that back uh, around 1991, 92. uh, And we never really nailed it. We never recorded it. And even (laughs) when we were playing.
0: Oops. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so we had this song um, that we did in the band. and it, It was like a good pop song, but it sort of just lay there. And when we were making this new record, I, I did most of that new record uh, live in the studio with uh, my buddy Jimmy Zhivago. And uh, I just remembered that song and thought, what if we could do it sort of like Maggie Mae? And that's where the idea for the mandolin came in.
0: Uh, fa- uh, faces. R- uh, yeah. Ron Wood. Ron Wood.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, so, I mean, it's it's sort of a cheesy version of a of maggie may but it, it has a life to it and it has sort of a, a nice energy um most of the songs are uh, most of the songs on the new record really are new uh they were written in the last year or so uh one of them um the last song which i quite like uh is called building i will build where i stand um you know i was I don't know if I could say friendly or I I wasn't friends with, but I was friendly with Leonard Cohen and, um, I used to send ideas to him of songs I was working on and he would, uh, he'd give me these little crits once in a while. And, um, we would talk a lot about prayer. Um, cause I, I, I'm one of those people that never, never bought into hallelujah. I thought hallelujah was, you know, I was happy that he made some money, but I thought that was such an overrated song, whereas he has this beautiful song called If It Be Your Will. Oh, yeah. You know, if it, if it be your will, I will speak no more. Yeah. And my voice still as it was before.
0: But, but Brian, I, I, think, I, I think that's why people have to sometimes write more than one song, because they know that might not be the right song for you. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Music is such an individualistic thing sometimes, and yeah, the Merce song that everybody likes is the one you don't like. That happens to me all the time. I I know exactly what you're saying. I want to play this song with Vernon that you did, "Book of Sleep." I guess it was live at CB's.
1: It was live at CB's.
8: say you well, good, but I very much doubt that uh, anyone who uh, adopts the approach that Martin Luther King has been teaching to our people in that country can point to any meaningful game I suppose actually serve to solve the problem. Black Muslims uh, have, have sometimes, whether you have or not, and I think probably you have, have sometimes, it seems to me, <laughs> have been preaching. any kind of hate there's, there's a think lot of talk that sounds very much like it no I think that the guilt is so profound until when you begin to analyze the real condition of the black man in America mm-hmm. instead of the American mm-hmm. white man eliminating the cause that mm-hmm. created condition he tries to cover it up by accusing his accusers of teaching hate I mm-hmm. they just exposing mm-hmm. him for being responsible for what exists well that's that's uh, which is made by some of the people of your group. I think I heard you make speeches. It seemed to me that you were advocating uh, what well, I would have to describe, I think, as violence to me. The serious injuries that have been done your people. Which you I don't call that violence. Uh, I don't in any way encourage black people to go out and initiate acts of aggression indiscriminately against whites. Well, I don't believe that the black man in the United States, an in any human being, anywhere, is well within his right. By any means necessary to protect his life and property, especially in a country where the federal government itself has proven that it is either uh, unable or unwilling. before Pierre takes it, you've got a pretty good fighter in the world's heavyweight champion. Oh, Mr. X, is, I guess I call you that. Is that the proper appellation, uh, yes. Mr. X? I'm wondering if you still believe, as I think you certainly did at uh, the time you were allied in the black Muslim movement in a segregated black nation no, in North America. I don't believe in any form of segregation or any form of racism. Uh, I'm against any form of segregation mm-hmm. and against racism. Is it have right no. to say that the black Muslim movement, which you have left, did believe in that? Well, Elijah Muhammad told his members that the only solution was a separate state yeah. for black people. And as long as I thought he genuinely believed that himself, uh, I believed in him and believed in his solution. But when I began to doubt that he himself believed that that was feasible, and I saw no kind of action designed to bring it into existence or bring it about, uh, then I turned in a different direction. Are you still a Muslim? Oh, yes. Um, Muslim, I believe in the religion of Islam, which believes in brotherhood, complete brotherhood of all people. But at the same time, I believe in this brotherhood. I don't believe in forcing my uh, desire for brotherhood to those who are willing to accept it. Because I think the Christians would say that they also believe in it. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Fuck you, say to that? I say they believe in it, but I don't but practice it either. That'd be a pretty good answer. Sir, when the Rosen goes up in the Minaret twice a day, he cries to the world, there is but one God, and he is alone. Uh, do you deny that there is a Christian God? Uh, the Muslim does that five times a day, five times a day. I only heard him twice. Well, you were fortunate to hear him twice. But he does. This five times a and the same God that he says, uh, that he expresses the existence of, is the God that the Christians profess themselves, and the God that the Jews believe in, one God, the creator of the universe. The Muslims believe in the God, God that created the universe, and I think the Christians do. And the Jews do. Now, as long as we're talking about the Creator, the Jews may call him Jehovah, and Christians may have another name for him. Are Arabic speaking refer to him as Allah. Well, we believe in the same God. As the advances in the United States, are you uh, modernizing it or are you the for example, the segregation of the sexes? I think that everything today
9: principles and practices. As well. Now, when you went to Mecca, this is a very sacred and city. I tried to uh, get them Mecca
8: myself. my cell. not are not being a Muslim. How would they accept you as one? Oh, You're an American. You're Muslim. This is true. And by being an American and not having uh, any kind not being able to speak the Arabic language, I did strike a snag, a very serious snag. But I was fortunate have been pretty well known by the officials in Arabia. And they knew, too, uh, accepted orthodox Islam. It had been highly publicized in the paper. And I uh, became a guest of the state. I was a guest of, um, of Prince Faisal, the present King Faisal. Faisal, and they made it possible for me to call Before the committee, Hajj Committee, or Hajj Court, who examined you and asked you questions about your belief. And if you pass it, then you are okay to go to Mecca. But you would have to have a translator there. The realizing that our problem in America, that we are black Americans, and we have a problem beyond religion, we form the problem so, as the organization of Afro-American Unity. And the objective of that organization is non-religious number one. Any Negro can belong to it. And the objective of that organization is to bring about a condition that will guarantee respect and recognition of the twenty-four million black Americans as human beings. We feel that the problem number one of the black man in America. America's ability to solve. It's a human problem, not an American problem or a Negro problem. And as a human problem or a world problem, we feel that it should be taken out of the jurisdiction of the United States government and the United States courts and taken into the United Nations in the same manner that the problems of the black men in South Africa, Angola, and other parts of the world, and even the way they're trying to bring the problems of the Jews in Russia into the United Nations because of violation of human rights. We believe that our problem is one, not Civil rights by the violation of human rights. Not only are we denied the right to be a citizen in the United States, we're denied the right to be a human by human by human.
0: Music for this edition, and we uh, this book of sleep from uh, OK uh, Brian uh, uh, Coleman with uh, OK Savant and Vernon's on, and then Sarah Lee's on the bass and Vernon. And and you you hearing him? He's cueing the band because they have not practiced this song. And th- uh, Hal Blaine, I was reading this thing where he was talking about being with Herb Albert. They didn't know how to get in that part, that big hit that the Tijuana Brass had. So the kick drum yeah. thing, right? Boom, boom. <laughs> oh, oh, that was just a device up, to bring everybody in but it ended up being really key to the song. So I think what you yeah. were doing there is just the reality on the dealio. Okay people it's we heard reality. Yeah. Book uh, but, so you know what I mean about the ro- you were we were talking about the wrong way, the right way. It's the wrong way. But it just feels bad like at that meeting with the fucking cartoon trip. Uh parallel pyres after that with uh yet, Uh Shibboleth from University Challenge, my buddy A.J. in Netherlands. And finally, Breaking and Entering from Brian Coleman. Where can people find you on the Internet, Brian? Um,
1: www.briancoleman.com.
0: Yeah, let's but, spe- uh, spell, it, spell it for people.
1: Oh, spell it. Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Coleman, C-U-L-L-M-A-N. Yeah, because... C-O-M. There's, there's, C-O-M.
3: Yeah, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That last one, okay, yeah. but there's some Brian's with the Brian.
1: No, those are the guys from from Wales. Yeah, like right. Brian
0: they
1: don't count. Nah. <laughs> Come on. Okay. okay. Me, you spell me just like you spelled Brian Highland.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> or it could get get all Gaelic, and you just don't pronounce it anyway the way it's spelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so man, you have had quite a journey and and what about meeting somebody young? Do you have any young people on this recording yeah so so yeah. what advice would you give them about this music racket shit?
1: Oh man, I would basically tell them not to listen to anything that I advise them to do. <laughs> You know, best advice you can give someone is just do it and then do it again. You know, if you're lucky, you'll get it wrong. And it'll be wrong in a way that'll just amuse you and delight you and maybe excite somebody.
0: It's probably the best way to learn skateboarding. <laughs> right? You just don't do it yeah. much. <laughs> Unless you're incredibly lucky. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think that's great, great advice. And you know what else? It sounds like it hasn't made you bitter. It sounds like it's made you... Be yeah. Because some people, they've been around the track, man. They get kind of bummed out. But you sound happy, man. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's You know. Great. That's really You do great. too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're two happy guys. Uh, no, but really, music is a fucking bitching thing. And I think some people can get, you know get enough defeats and you t- take blows and you just, yeah, you give up hope, right? You know, the people giving
1: up hope are usually the ones who were really successful. And I've been lucky enough to be just that I haven't
0: gotten hurt. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 a really good perspective, man. That's uh, better than good, that's healthy, I think. I, I, I want to thank you so much, Brian for being on the show. Big honor. and when you I know you're going to do another record and when you get that done, yeah. we'll come up back on and we'll talk about
1: it. Hey, when I do the next record, will you play bass on a track? Shit yeah.
0: Damn, okay. It's a deal. Okay, okay, it's a deal. Just won't practice, okay? I won't practice, I promise. Okay. <laughs> I'll be just ready to go. Just hand me those cords a giant step and I'll do a top flat. Top me flat again. Got guitar. it. Yeah. People it's been January second, twenty twenty one addition what Pedro should keep you powder dry.